Hey, and welcome into Tate's Take, the podcast edition. Of course, uh, this is Deshaun Tate. Just going to want to introduce the podcast to everyone where you're going to get more than enough of your college basketball, no shocker, prep high school basketball, NBA, the whole nine here. If you've been waiting for it and you've been looking for it, you found the right place. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, middle of the week, all downhill from here, August 14th of 2019. And before we get started, I want to throw a couple things out there. One of them being the Twitter handle, a new Twitter handle. We've gone from Tate's Take Sports on the IG as well as on the Twitter to Tate's Take Hoops at T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. That is at Tate's Take Hoops. And secondly, I want to give a very special shout out and happy birthday to Irvin Johnson. For those of you who don't know, yes, that is Magic Johnson's first name. That's got to be pretty cool for everybody to throw out your first government name. And everybody's like, Irvin, who in the world is Irvin? Then you say Magic. Oh, everybody knows who Magic is, of course. 60th birthday to him. Uh, The best Laker, in my opinion, to ever lace up. I know people call him sneakers and some other people call him tennis shoes. I come from, we call him gym shoes. So happy birthday to the best Laker, the best point guard to ever lace him up and play the game that I love so dearly. Um, and, um, just want to make sure you guys know that you can always check me out, um, every Monday and Friday, 6 p.m. sharp. That is Eastern Standard Time. So, you know, this is one of those podcasts is like whether you're in Kentucky where you're either sporting Kentucky blue or Louisville red in that state or you're a native of Indiana where it seems like everyone was born and bred with a basketball goal in their driveway and a basketball in their hands straight out of the womb or deep down in the heart of Kansas where Dr. James Naismith designed the game in 1891 with milk crates and peach baskets we all have one thing in common here folks the passion and the love for the sport the game of basketball so from the golden state to the frozen state from the big apple to the pineapple from deep down in the roots of the tar hill state all the way up to the great lakes consider your search concluded for nothing less than 110 percent basketball content this is where we keep it real this is where we keep it funky i guess that's what the new kids say now i think that's what the new the cool kids are saying now keeping it funky uh and you know whatever you're looking for like i said the high school the aau the prep schools collegiate professional it can all be found right here at your convenience uh, at tate's take you will find not only exclusive interviews here some updates some articles some podcasts obviously uh, and of course, my personal favorite of them all, you know, a comment section where your engagement is welcome and is certainly encouraged. So I hope you guys all enjoyed the podcast. Uh, so get ready for, you know, to buckle up as I'm going to take you guys through a ride and unbiased opinions. We're going to give you some facts. We're going to give you some stats. We're going to give you nothing but the truth. And uh, remember that there's no take like Tate's take. And this is, of course, where basketball lives. Now, let's get started with the NBA. That's where I want to get started because I know that's that's like the pinnacle. That's where what everybody probably loves the most. And, you know, the NBA 
the schedule was just released uh, earlier this week, which I'm really excited and looking forward to because I'm down here in Atlanta in football country and everybody's looking forward to their football. When I say basketball, everybody's like, what's that? What? What? I don't understand. Like I'm speaking a foreign language or something. Yeah, basketball. But, you know, when I say football, I personally get excited about football because that just means one thing that basketball is right around the corner and that couldn't be more evident and obvious because the NBA um, schedules just came out. And I just want to take you guys through a couple little things that I've noted um, that I think is going to be pretty intriguing. I think it's interesting as we've seen a little bit more parity in basketball now, especially in the NBA and on the Western Conference, where there's going to be so many teams that's going to be just stout, you know, and just going to be a lot more even than it's been in recent history. There's a lot of players. It's been a crazy offseason and free agency period that we've, you know, just encountered. It seemed like it stretched out and went a lot longer than it was actually expected to or that we thought that we would see or are accustomed to noticing um, but you know it's it's NBA and it's ramping up so we do have with all those transitions during free agency some players that have kind of gone on to different teams uh, notable players star players superstar players in fact Kawhi Leonard who just won a world title with the Toronto Raptors now with the Los Angeles Clippers returns to Toronto December 11th Kimba Walker formerly of the Charlotte Hornets I always want to say Bobcats for some reason it's like every when they became when the side note when they became the Bobcats then I was still calling them the Hornets and now all of a sudden they're the Hornets again and I'm still calling them the Bobcats whatever um, now with the Boston Celtics travel to the Charlotte Hornets on November 7th, Mike Conley Jr., formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies, will travel back to the M-Town uh, Memphis Grizzlies um, with the Utah Jazz on the 15th of November. Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers travel to the Big Easy New Orleans to take on Zion Williamson and company and a whole lot of company uh, on the 27th of November. Of course, on that exact same day, Kyrie Irving and the Kevin Durant less unless something crazier happens we know how the good lord can work those miracles he won't be there uh in a ten or he will be there in attendance but won't be lacing them up to play Kyrie Irving will they will travel to Boston on the 27th as well Paul George and the Clippers travel to OKC on the 22nd of December and Russell Westbrook will travel um with the Houston Rockets to his former home of OKC on the 9th of January. So as soon as we pop those champagne bottles or sparkling grape juice for me personally, trying to cut down and cut back on some of my bad habits, especially going into the new year that everybody's going to stick to for about eight days. And if that's you, then you have the ninth day to check out Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets against OKC. Uh, last but certainly not least, the New Orleans Pelicans at the New York Knicks on the 10th of January. January the very next day and why am I mentioning that game specifically considering the fact that everybody else that I just previously noted were already in the NBA and expected to have really big games they're all you know going to play their former teams that's a big game obviously because of the big name the number one 
pick in the NBA draft being Zion Williamson will travel on the road to uh, to the Big Apple to play up against uh, one of his teammates, which is probably not nearly as big of a deal here in R.J. Barrett. But it is the big market in New York City where so many people were left so disappointed in the orange and blue that they wouldn't be getting uh, Zion Williamson. So that being said, I want to throw something else out there about this Russell Russell Westbrook and Houston thing because I kind of feel like Houston, we still have a problem. I have no idea on earth how this is going to work for the Houston Rock for the Houston Rockets specifically with you know teaming back up. And I know that they've been here and done this before. You know between James Harden and Russell Westbrook and made it work. Now I know that guys have kind of gone their own separate ways since then and 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 James Harden has kind of established himself as his as a superstar in his own right and give him credit for that Uh, however for them to be the team that is trying to you know to be the guys that's going to try and do this thing all over again I'm not really sure how that's going to work where you have two really ball dominant guards on the same team and not just two ball dominant guards and ball dominant players but probably the most ball dominant players in all of the NBA not really sure how they're going to make that work where you have a situation where you might have someone like a uh, a, 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 a PJ Tucker or Eric Gordon if you will really good three-point shooters they could certainly use those guys uh perimeter offense but I'm really not sure how that's gonna work I can see those guys now standing in the corner doing jumping jacks wide open meanwhile Russell Westbrook or or James Harden is on the perimeter dribbling the air out of the leather basketball and then finally decide to you know pass the ball over to one of those guys and next thing you know the defense has recovered and it goes out of bounds and they're up there pointing fingers and not getting back on defense trying to decide on whose fault it is I feel like we're going to start seeing that late into the postseason late into the season in general something that we shouldn't be seeing but I think that the way that their offense is designed under Mike D'Antoni being such an explosive offensive team but not nearly enough discipline on the defensive end they want to kind of play uh, Pac-12 football they want to play Big 12 football they want to outscore you that is their main objective and I don't think you can win championships in that way in my own personal humble opinion can I be wrong sure I can be wrong have I been wrong so far absolutely not why is that because they haven't shown me anything otherwise than that so we will you know it still remains to be seen I know one thing Nene is going to be making all of the money that he is uh, uh, he's certainly going to be working for all of the money that he's getting paid because he's going to have a lot of shots to be rebounding from uh, one James Harden and, and, and Russell Westbrook as well um the the, i feel personally on a personal level that the indiana pacers better finish in the top half of the east and in in terms of playoff seating and i'll tell you why there's actually a couple reasons number one i said that they better because i got a bet going on with my cousin keith who uh says that they won't be enlist like five or six other teams that he feels like is going to get a better seed than the Indiana Pacers out east and I definitely don't feel like that will be the case and I tell him to name them and these are just for the ones who are interested uh, these are the teams that he told me would get a better seeding and I think that certainly the Indiana Pacers are not out of the realm of possibility for not only a top four but I think that they could get the three spot 
when you're looking at teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think is obviously, and for good reason, the head-on favorite to win the East and to get to the NBA Finals. We know they were cut short last, just barely cut short last year from uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, and his Toronto Raptors. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the Milwaukee Bucks team and I've seen some loopholes kind of in between there, but he's got them at the number one spot and I feel pretty comfortable about that too. Now he says the Philadelphia 76ers and won't at second. And while I do feel confident that that is... Certainly not out of the realm of possibility, but there there is a good chance that they will be second. I feel like they're supposed to be second. They should be second. You've tanked all these years to get all these really good players. <clears throat> Markel Fultz. But we're not going to go there on the evening. However, you've, you know, kind of drafted players and, and, and sat them uh, to kind of build them, if you will, into being this powerhouse team with this powerhouse talent. And while Joe Embiid is obviously really good and a dominant force, even from the perimeter in a lot of cases, in the same token, I'm, I think that it's a little questionable in regards to his health sometimes. Like when he's playing, he's playing like he's on point. But when he's not and he's sitting, you know, riding the pine or riding the oak, as I like to call it then he's really not doing you any good from that standpoint. I think sometimes that this Sixers team lacks vocal leadership. I think sometimes that they lack a disciplinary play. And it's not just necessarily that part of it with Joe Embiid, but more so with Ben Simmons, who just got, what, I think $170 million or something like that? Not 117 but 170 and has never... First of all, has never made a three-pointer in his career in the NBA. And you're getting that kind of money? I feel my own way about that if I'm just being completely honest with you guys. But that's fine. We'll put them in there in a second. I can't remember exactly Keith's, um, his exact list from this point. But I know that he had the rest of these teams that he expected to finish better than the Indiana Pacers. Another one uh, was being the uh, Toronto Raptors was another one, which I think they take a much bigger step back than some people think they will without Kawhi Leonard. I still don't know exactly who that team is without Kawhi Leonard. And if they're anything remotely close to being the team, not that they were bad or terrible, but anything remotely close to being the team in terms of finishing not only games but series in the postseason very strong then I don't think that they will be in contention for finishing better than the Indiana Pacers uh, finishing the season that is I think another one was the Brooklyn Nets that he mentioned I get the Kyrie Irving thing but I have a feeling that although they uh, are one of the youngest yet most talented and competitive NBA teams, especially in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets adding Kyrie Irving, I think does something really good for them. Having Kevin Durant, certainly, I mean, not having Kevin Durant on the floor obviously is not going to help them a whole lot. However, I will say enough to say that I think that we will get to a point where Kevin Durant is certainly needed um, and 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 the and, and defenses and uh, and the opposition will prepare for Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving 
alone. I think they'll be a completely and totally different team with Kevin Durant. And, and every team is a completely different team and a totally different team with or without Kevin Durant. I think that's pretty obvious. Golden State kind of showed that. Um, and then the, but there's the Boston Celtics as well. Now without Kyrie Irving, but with Kimba Walker. And I love, you know, or, or I shouldn't say I love, but I really like Jason Tatum and his approach to the game and what he brings to the game. Jalen Brown being another one. Marcus Smart finally healthy and the defensive staple and, and anchor that he is on that end of the floor and can even you know he brings that bulldog mentality that I think that this team needs but when you start looking at teams like the Indiana Pacers and and, and like again my humble opinion not that I love the Indiana Pacers but when you just kind of sit back and just kind of look at their depth chart and what they bring to the table acquiring Malcolm Brogdon over who is a former uh, rookie of the year from a few years ago um, over from the Milwaukee Bucks is a huge, huge asset and help. And a lot of people don't love TJ McConnell as a backup, but I personally do. I really like TJ McConnell a lot on both sides of the ball, and he is one of the best and most pure and prototypical uh point guards in the NBA when you think of a point guard and what his job duties and responsibilities are I think that he is one of the best in the NBA in terms of a backup point guard I think he's he's I, I, I really like him a lot better than I did at Arizona and, and Duquesne that's for sure um, you also have Miles Turner who I think is when you look at the center position a lot of those guys are becoming kind of extinct if you will of uh, the traditional centers and things of that nature I think Miles Turner kind of brings that and has a face-up game to go along with his back-to-the-basket game, not necessarily a um, a a a back a back to of okay slow down. <laughs> I think that Miles Turner is a guy who does have a face-up game, but has but also has a back-to-the-basket game that I still think can be utilized in today's NBA versus it being flip-flopped the opposite way around. Some people feel like you just have to be a face-up player in the NBA uh, in terms of the front court, and while I definitely agree with that, I still think that there is a purpose for back-to-the-basket centers, just not guys that can only play with their back to the basket if that makes any kind of sense i'm pretty sure i kind of uh tongue twisted that and got you guys a little bit confused and then you have demontis sabonis who a lot of people tend to overlook in a lot of cases you know but i really like demontis sabonis from a rebounding standpoint he's very physical very hard nosed i think that when he and steven adams were teammates he he took a little bit away from Steven Adams in regards to the skill set and the playing style and just the mentality, his approach to the game, which I think is a really good thing and something that he had already uh, in his repertoire, in his arsenal. But adding to that for the time that he was at OKC, I think has done nothing but help that. Uh, TJ Warren, another guy. I mean, you have some really good pieces here in Indiana, and then you get Victor Oladipo back. I think that they're going to be really, really tough to stop uh, once they get 
you know, Oladipo back healthy. And that'll be obviously a very vital and a key piece for this team. But if they're able to do that, I think that they will do quite well. Um, again, we talked about the parity that is out west uh, a little bit earlier when I was introducing this NBA segment. And I will say enough to say that why there is so much of that, you know, this is just exactly how interesting that I think that it will be out west and i think that it's a beautiful thing i think it's a wonderful thing because there's no like no hands down favorite i mean granted a lot of people are going to say hey that would be the los angeles clippers with everything that they have you know and lou williams coming off the bench as a six man and and uh you know you you, you just have really good players i mean Montrez harrell is, is, is gonna play a huge part kind of reminds me of uh, kenneth farid with the energy that he brings and rebounding and just fearlessness and just effortless nose for the ball and for the basket uh you know obviously Kawhi leonard and paul george makes up for a huge you know part of that as well and then you have the los angeles lakers you know that la versus la thing is going to be crazy just imagining how much money the Staples Center is going to make in concessions and just putting butts in seats every single night. Like, it's going to be ridiculous. There's going to be no breaks. It's going to be a lot of money that's made out there in what they call La La Land, Showtime, whatever you want to call it. But between, you know, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, I mean, you've got more than that. You've got some pieces out there for the Lakers. So those are – there's a lot of – one thing I've noticed about this NBA is there's a lot of two – star organizations here where you know for the most part when you're looking at the clippers and i i want to make sure that i mention this when i mention something about the clippers and i forgot this but i love pat bev patrick beverly is a guy who took the stairs up didn't take the elevator didn't take the escalator took the stairs and with that bulldog type of mentality to go along with uh a mantra's hero and then the, the the defensive player that um um that Kawhi Leonard is and just the way he's able to play on both sides of the ball and Paul George on the offensive side. And I think that it's going to be awesome if if they don't find a way to at least get to the Western Conference Finals bare minimum. I would probably be putting that on Mr. Doc Rivers. We'll just say that in advance. And then you have, you know, a, a two-star um team in the Golden State Warriors where you still have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I know that Klay Thompson's going to be out um, for much of the season, if not the whole season. I think that he is likely to return. I wouldn't be surprised by the time playoffs roll around. He'll be probably at least, I don't know, I'd say minimum 70%, probably closer to 80% ready to go by the time postseason play gets started. But until that happens, you still have another star. I wouldn't call him a superstar, but I do think he's an all-star in D'Angelo Russell, who was acquired in the free agency as well from the Brooklyn Nets. So you have your two stars there. Either way, you want to look at it. You either have Steph Curry, the light skin, and Trey, uh, and Clay Thompson, the light skin, or you got Steph Curry, the light skin, and D'Angelo Russell, the light skin. Either way it go, light skin winning. Hashtag LSU. Hashtag light skin united. Let's keep it moving, though, because I do love what the Sacramento Kings, who I think the Sacramento Kings, who's maybe not necessarily one of those teams that is a lock for the playoffs, maybe not necessarily a team that everyone's going to be paying attention to and want to come see every night. But they remind me a lot of the young Atlanta Hawks where, you know, you do have a 
um, a, 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 a De'Aaron Fox, you know, to go along with a Marvin Bagley, or I guess I said that backwards because you really have Marvin Bagley going along with De'Aaron Fox. And they have some really good pieces around those two as well, so I don't want to discount that, but it's much like the Atlanta Hawks in the East where they're very young. They're starting to kind of gather some buzz and some respect from the rest of the league where you have some, you know, you have a Trey Young and a John Collins and some good pieces and rookies around those guys as well. Um, but then there's the Dallas Mavericks between Kristaps Porzingis and obviously uh, everybody knows who 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 the who the other guy is, um, you know, in 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 the Rookie of the Year. Uh, and so from that standpoint, you know, you you definitely have to consider um, that the Dallas Mavericks will play a part. Now, how big of a part will they play? I'm, I'm not sure we can really answer that. Are they playoff? team no but i think that they are certainly a playoff contending team at least bare minimum if we're adding in the new orleans pelicans being a playoff contending team i think that it's fair to say um that the dallas mavericks at least has a shot whether they're in the 10th spot with some game or, or, or ninth spot with some games to go 10th spot with some games to go that's pretty much where I expect them to especially under a Luka Doncic a guy who I was not a big fan of in terms of believing what he was going to be and what he was going to do at the next level but he did it he earned it and he deserved it we already talked about the Houston Rockets with you know with 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 their two um players if you will uh that 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 are somewhat of stars who wants to sleep on the san antonio spurs like who's silly enough or let's just say stupid enough who's idiotic enough to sleep on the san antonio spurs like i'm not sure that that's really possible because you know typically we always think about the san antonio spurs being a team that's old and they're outdated but they always find a way to win as long as you got greg popovich who's arguably or inarguably one of the best uh, coaches or the best coach in the NBA right now, definitely in NBA history, how can you even go about counting those guys out? You get DeJounte Murray back. Keldon Johnson, I think, is a really, really good player. He was one of the guys that I thought coming into the uh, NBA draft should have been drafted not only a lot higher, but has some of the highest ceilings because he, his ability to play on both sides of the ball. When that Kentucky team earlier this year was getting destroyed by Duke uh, at the first game of the season, I was at that one. Um he, he seemed like he was the only guy that was still playing when they were down by like 40 points. And I think Duke hung like 118 points on him in that game. And of all the players on Kentucky's team at that time, he was the only one still playing and was playing that entire night. And that followed up and followed through throughout the duration in the course of the regular season for Kentucky as they got better as time went on. And I think what went all the way to the Elite Eight. Yeah, that happened. But a large part of that was because of him. Um, then, obviously, DeMar DeRozan is there. LaMarcus Aldridge is there. So, uh, let's just put this out there on the table right now. If you're not a believer in the San Antonio Spurs and their ability to make the playoffs or even make a run to win a playoff series, hell, to win two playoff series, potentially, at least having that sort of ceiling realistically set for themselves, 
something, you just don't know basketball. But I'm here to educate, and that's what I'm here for. This is Tate's Take. This is what you're listening to. Tate's Take, the podcast right here, but we're going to keep it moving. Um, there was another one. Oh, obviously, the Denver Nuggets is right there, a team that made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year um, with you know the team that they have in place as well. I think you know when you're looking at their two-headed monster, I guess that's something that we can call it right now. And, and while I don't necessarily think that realistically as much as I really like Gary Harris, and I think he's a big part of that team, that might be a little bit of my Sparty bias kicking in right there just a tad bit. But I do think that he is a very beneficial asset to that team. Jamal Murray is obviously really good. Some people might feel like, you know, Paul Millsap is over the hill, but he showed some really good uh, uh, parts of his game, you know, that he still has kind of his repertoire with Jeremy Grant backing him up. Mason Plumley, who's on the USA team, is really athletic and, and really long and getting stronger and getting better overall as a basketball player. Uh, you know, Malik Beasley coming off the bench, backing up Gary Harris as well. And probably the most notable guy in Nikola Jokic uh, is another one of those guys who, a lot of people are saying, you know, not only the best passing big man, but one of the best big men's in the game, arguably the best one in the game right now. Again, especially with his ability to be able to pass the ball. One of two or two rather of the bigger questions that I really have for this Denver Nuggets team is two things. I want to know if there's two guys that I've been really looking forward to seeing if they'll ever see the floor this year. And one of them is probably the elephant in the room. We'll start with that one being Michael Porter Jr., uh, a guy who just can't seem to stay off of the IR and lives at the hospital. Uh, and the other is Bo Bo, who they picked up in the draft. Draft. And I think that that's something that's going to be uh, really interesting to see with his ability to shoot the basketball at over seven foot, seven feet tall. Now, I think he dropped from like 234 pounds where he started the season at to like 208 um, going into the entering the draft. I'm not sure how that's possible. I mean, dude, he's he's skinny. You know, I mean, me, I'm, I'm, I'm a slim dude too. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't like to be called small, but I'm a slim dude too. You know, I don't like to be, you know, uh, called skinny all the time. You know, I don't really feel like I'm a skinny dude. I'm five ten. I'm about 150 pounds. Most people will see that and be like, yeah, you got a bird chest. You're skinny, bro. But this is the thing: is he's a different kind of skinny. Like guys like Bobo, Bobo is hula hoop in a Cheerio skinny. Bobo is hula hoop in a rubber band skinny. That's a totally different level. And then not only that, but how are you sitting after playing what, maybe 9 to 12 games in college at 234 pounds and then you get hurt and you're doing nothing but sitting so I would imagine you'd be eating and accumulating and gaining weight but instead it's like hustling backwards it's like crisscross when they put their pants on backwards he's losing weight and he's not playing so I don't know how that works nevertheless I was a maybe not a huge doubter of Bow Bow I didn't think he was as good as Sharif O'Neal Shaquille O'Neal's son they played on the same team uh, on the AAU circuit but he came out and showed that he can really 
play basketball. So give credit to uh, a guy by the name of Bo Bo. And between he and Michael Porter Jr., I'll be really interested to see if either one of those guys uh, particularly will see the NBA floor. And we're just still kind of rolling here. You still got the Portland Trail Blazers there where they have the opportunity. Everybody knows about the big name in uh, Damian Lillard and, 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 and the big payday that he recently just got. But then, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to see the Jokic um, versus Nurkic in the playoffs uh, before Nurkic got hurt. But Nurkic will return as well to the team. I really like what I saw out of Anthony Simons in the uh, NBA Summer League and just what he's able to bring to the table. He looks really good. I think he'll have a uh, DeJounte Murray type of season this year from what we've seen out of Murray, not this past season, but the year before uh, where he can start seeing the floor and you can start to at least begin to see some of his growth and the reason behind why he was picked up. And remember, he wasn't a guy that came out of college. He was a guy that came out of high school and thanks to the age uh he had that ability kent Bazemore, who i'm not in love with love him as a person outstanding guy as a person not the biggest fan of his as a player not saying i don't like him not saying i don't think he's a good player but i'm just personally not the biggest fan of kent Bazemore, especially for all the money that he's getting paid let me make sure that i throw that out there as well however bringing him back as a I mean, bringing him in as a backup shooting guard from the Atlanta Hawks to back up C.J. McCollum, I think does some really, really, really good things for them. Zach Collins is kind of coming into his own as well. Um, from Gonzaga, where I was a little bit concerned about guys like Zach Collins when he came out of Gonzaga because I just I wasn't really sure what he's going to be, but I had a really good feel. And, and, it, and let's just say that I didn't think he was going to come anything close to Kevin McHale-ish. Um, uh, and Hassan Whiteside, who, that's one guy I will be honest. I will tell you straight up. I told you you're going to get the truth. I told you you're going to get the facts. I said you're going to get the stats. Well, let me give you some truth. I'm not a big fan of Hassan Whiteside. I don't really think that Hassan Whiteside is really all that good at all, if I'm just really being honest. I like what he brings as far as defensive intensity and able the ability to block shots, which I think if you're as so tall that you can, you know, change billboards, swap billboards in and out. And I think he should be able to block some shots. Uh, but, you know, I, I, his offensive game, I just never saw really develop. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons behind why I'm not a big Hassan Whiteside guy. And some people are made and known to just be defensive players. I really like DeAndre Jordan, but he knows where he stands on the defensive and he knows that he's not an offensive firepower, offensive dominant guy. And I don't sense that Hassan Whiteside knows that about himself. So that's what I have as far as much of the NBA. We talked a little bit about the parody out West, uh, just the parody in general in today's MV NBA about uh, why, um, uh, why 
I don't believe that it'll work between Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And then, you know, talked a little bit about the NBA Pacers, uh, the NBA Pacers, the Indiana Pacers, while they are the NBA Pacers, uh, while they better finish in the top half of the East. Not only because I want to make sure that my cousin Keith gives, you know, coughs up that good 50 bucks, uh, but not only that, um, you know, I, w- I want to make sure that uh, that there's a clear understanding as to they better finish in the top half of the East because they should finish in the top half of the in- uh, of the East. And by the way, I hope my cousin Keith has uh, those 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 fifty the, 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 that that nifty fifty in all ones for a good reason. I won't say exactly why I hope he had, he brings them to me in all ones and what I intend on doing with all those ones, but I'll say just enough to say that you should be able to uh you should be able to figure it out from 